Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, welcome to another After Hours for Super Deluxe Games Cast. And today, this is going to be the first episode of what we are going to consider kind of a franchise retrospective for the Metal Gear Solid games. Now, I want to be very specific. We're talking the Metal Gear Solid franchise that started on PlayStation 1, not the two original Nintendo games, because fuck that. They're not um, that good. It, they're just they're really... They really do not hold up well at all. I tried playing Metal Gear last year, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> I was like, man. This... Respect <laughs> like, what like, they were doing, but not that fun. Sure is a product a product of its time. Uh, and so uh, we're going to go. We're going to tackle the five. Uh, I think we're going to tackle at least the five main entries and some of the handheld entries as well. And this episode is going to be dedicated to Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation. Um, uh, not the Twin Snakes version. We're ignoring that because we don't talk about that version here. Uh, and on the recording today, I have uh, Jeff. Hello, Jeffington. Uh, that is not my name, but hello. <laughs> but I love Jeffington. Um, nope. uh, Ju- Justin is here. Hello, everyone. And we also have Solid Snake himself, actually. Uh, I didn't know you were <laughs> going to make me do this. I didn't even consider that he might do the voice on this, but it's perfect. <laughs> you, you seriously didn't consider the possibility I, of having to do that voice on this episode? I should have no, come on, I'm not sure why. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, Derek is here too, and uh, Derek is uh, Derek was trying to sneak around, but he's dummy thick. Yeah, and the clapping of my ass cheeks keeps alerting the guards. Right. Yeah. So you know, you, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. But I I love your thickness for what it's worth. Um, I feel awkward now. Great. Anyway, there, there goes the fan art. <laughs> <laughs> the fan art. So so again, we we are going to examine uh, the story of Metal Gear Solid. And it starts with uh, with Snake uh, scuba diving uh, into uh, into Shadow Moses Island, uh, talking to Colonel Campbell, um, fresh off his career as a musher. He was a musher after he retired, right? Like like he went off. He was like MacGruber. He was like he was like I'm gonna yeah, be he, dead for I'm gonna be dead for ten years. Yeah, he's like MacGruber. What? No, no, no. He's like MacGruber in the sense that he was like I'm gonna go away for ten years and, and be dead. And and he was actually uh, like Justin said, uh, living in the middle of nowhere, like on an ice floe, uh, doing uh, doing dog mushing. You get to retire pretty young in the Metal Gear universe, apparently, because he's yeah. not exactly like a crusty old fuck. I mean, on the well, original PlayStation version, it's kind of up for debate because he was like eight polygons, but you know, well, like you know. You know, look, you know, as somebody who served, you know, military life takes a lot, mil- like every year military life takes three off your actual life. So, you know, like I can understand him not wanting to do that anymore. Besides, man, he's he's a, he's tired and, and, and haggard and he's got a lot of regrets and he just wants to live in peace until, you know, Colonel Campbell came to him and said, America needs you, Snake. I'm assuming that's what Campbell said. America needs you. <laughs> America, America needs you, Snake. America, America needs, needs you to needs you and damn everyone else. America needs you to push the action button, like so. So Snake is uh, Snake is uh, moseying his way on a Shadow Moses Island, um, and he gets out of the water, and we notice that uh, that that he's like he looks like the blank from Dick Tracy. There's just there's just nothing there due to the limitations of the times. Uh, so unfortunately, you don't really get a sense of what is going through Snake's mind uh, as he as he uh, returns to active duty. Um, and when you when you arrive to Shadow Moses Island, you're you know you're treated to the top down view, you know that classic top down view. And when you kick off the gameplay, you realize that this is unlike anything that has come before it because. You know, I and it was wild to me to discover that as I was walking around in the snow, like the guards would actually find my footprints and follow them. The footprints that, is like that's that's the the mind blowing moment everybody has starting Metal Gear Solid is like, oh shit, I'm leaving footprints. Oh shit, they can see them. John, you already talked about the face model. Can we? Can I ask what's going on with his vest? Like, is his vest? Does it have like abs? Like what? Uh, y- yes. What kind of yes, texture is on that? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, see, it's not that his vest has abs; it's that his vest is form-fitting. Uh, so it's it's showing off his incredibly ripped. Uh, ab- He's like the Gaines gorilla 
I mean, who Justin needs posted. padding when you're in Antarctica or, or okay, wherever the hell they are? So there, there's not much material to that vest. He's basically wearing uh, the Under Armour shirt that Captain America Exa- wears. No, that's that, exactly, exactly, okay. All right. exactly. Like, I understand that, you know, you might have assumed that that was like a Batman, like a, like a Joel mm-hmm. Schumacher Batman situation. But but he is actually just wearing a, a it's like barely there body armor. That's what they call it. It's a brand, I believe. <laughs> so we'll see his nippies in the in the. We're going to see his. Then. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, well, and you know the only reason we like it's weird that we didn't see his nips because it was so cold, geez. right? Like it was really cold on Shadow Moses. He's developed and an immunity to the cold. He's been mushing you, dogs. I'm so. I'm just like you. You would think those fuckers would be able to cut diamonds on Shadow Moses, oh, but but you'd be wrong. It's an iconic costume. Um, at least I will say that. Well, would you say that his his costume is iconic or his headband is iconic? Because I would argue that the headband is more iconic. Well, the headband's part of a, the the outfit. The I mean, and the suit. sneaking suit is very recognizable. So, yeah, no, that's true. That, that maybe more so in MGS two, um, just because that feels like that was when the series really blew up. I'm not sure. It's a good you know costume. something. I and, mean, original and, Metal Gear Solid definitely blew up, but I mean, there's also just way less detail on a PlayStation One game, yeah, right? So, you know, yeah. Part part of the the stuff going from MGS One to MGS Two was like MGS Two showed off. I think still think it's like one of the biggest show offs of a generational leap between systems and sequels that we've ever seen. Well, and 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 so we know that so we know that that Snake is now on Shadow Moses, but but Derek, do you want to tell us why he's there? Why is he at Shadow Moses? What's he doing there? Yeah, I love the and this is one of the things I love about the original Metal Gear Solid is its plot on like a basic level is is not super complicated. Uh, a a group of like super soldiers have defected and stolen and taken over this base and stolen this basically giant walking tank that is armed with a nuclear device and they are they are holding holding the world ransom for one billion Billion dollars dollars. like it's it's just an old like action movie it's very escape from new york like it's not super uh complicated on paper um and it's just very fun to be like, yes, we're going to break in. We're going to take out these these clearly demarcated boss characters and and we're going to stop the, the giant robot with the nuke. Well, and that's always like the so. So there is one theme around every Metal Gear game is and that is that the, the you know, the villain, the bad guy, whoever that may be, always has a group of. Um, you know, either animal themed or um, or, you know, expression themed soldiers, which there's I, always I, a theme between the of right. Some kind. And and so in this one, uh, you know, let's let's take a look at our antagonist real quick. So first we have uh, Revolver Ocelot, um, who, you know, is, uh, you know, Revolver Ocelot has such a lust for uh, for for dueling, for pistol dueling. And the like, what crusty old Russian my... cowboy? How do you not love him? Well, the thing is, is like i like he's got this one moment in his boss fight because he's the first boss you fight in uh, in Metal Gear Solid, and he's got some pretty sexually charged dialogue. He's what what he's like, and I've got the quote right here just so I could quote it verbatim. Uh, the first time he starts reloading, he goes, "I love to reload during a battle. There's nothing like the feeling of slamming a long silver bullet into a well greased chamber." And I was just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> uh, and that would never stop. Yeah, oh he, yeah, no, yeah. like he, he he stays consistent with that characterization the whole way through. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. That I, man I, is horny for guns. He <laughs> really, he he really fucking. And then he gets his hand cut off. Mm-hmm. He gets oh his God, hand cut right. off by by uh, by uh, by you know Cyber Ninja, who we'll get to uh, a little later. Um, can so, I and revolver? All, can no, I make please, a funny please. aside, John. Of course. So you got to Revolver Ocelot, but before that, you uh, locate DARPA Chief Donald Anderson. And oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. funny okay, story about Ch- this, I was 12 when the game came out. I thought DARPA was just more Metal Gear nonsense. And then when I was at my networking class in college, uh, they they brought up um, DARPA. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I, I, I thought this well, was a fictional Metal Gear. I didn't know life, it was life, is imi- life is imitating art. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! Metal Gear is real. Mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff, I, I still, 
I know you didn't do this real quick, Justin. I know you didn't do this, but it would it would have been perfect if at that moment when you saw DARPA, you you you'd have just out loud said Metal Gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily I I had a couple of nerdy friends in my in the class with me, and I, we definitely gave each other a look. Like. <laughs> so Justin, go ahead, bud. I still like I I want to just kind of like. Take, take a break from just, like, going through the whole story and stuff. Just because, like, the early bits of this game are, like, so burnt into my mind. Because they were such, like, a... They were such, like, a foundation of, like, what I look for and what I care about in games and stuff. Like, I remember playing the demo, you know, at a store. And it's basically just that first room. Um, and, like, it just blew my mind because I'd never seen a game that had, like, attempt... Excuse me. Attempted to have, like... Hollywood cinematic style presentation and um you know voice acting wasn't even that common and everything was voice acted in Metal Gear Solid um, it was yeah like the camera angles were different the like look of the game was so different mm-hmm. like everything like, about it felt told like it felt like it was I mean and it and it did it actually like really influenced the direction a lot of major games went in after it came out and it was just such a unique and amazing moment just like and that demo was basically just the first room to go up the elevator um and then you know the rest of the game has so much wild wild stuff in it um but i'll never forget the first time i got to, i played that demo i think it was at a kmart near my grandma's house well, it's, um, it's cool that you mentioned that because, yeah, like the other game I think of that came out the same year that kind of changed how storytelling happens in games was Half-Life. But that's like it, those two games in that same year kind of like built the foundation for how a lot of games would present their uh, their narratives. Right. Like one is kind of all like emergent gameplay and environmental storytelling and stuff like that and like scripted events. And then you have Metal Gear, which, like you said, it just felt like watching a movie. Just I'd never seen anything like that before. Well, something that, you know, you know, as we as we talk more about the villains in the game, um, something that, you know, it's two two of them in particular uh, I want to talk about real quick. And that that is Vulcan Raven and Sniper Wolf. And they actually represented two ethnicities that you that at the time and even unfortunately yeah, today see them are so are severely underrepresented, which is uh, Vulcan Raven was a Native American. Uh, and Sniper Wolf was Kurdish, uh, and and you know at the time I like you know when I first played this I was like what like fifteen years old. Yeah, I don't even know if what... I'm wrong. Vulcan Raven was was specifically Inuit. Inuit, like, yes, yeah, yeah, he was, and uh, and and like one was, and like one was the last time that we saw a major two major characters one who was Inuit and two who was from Kurdistan. Like that is. I'm, I'm genuinely struggling to think of any other Kurdish or Inuit characters. I mean, I can't, I don't think there are any, I don't think there are any. And I, I think there is one like indie game about like Inuit, Inuits and Inuit culture that I can think of. And that's it. Yeah. That's, that is literally all I can think of. And I, I personally like I, that. And this game, not just in, in gameplay, but also in, in representation was ahead of its time. Um, and, uh, you know, like, you know, we all give Kojima a lot of, sh- you know, a lot of shit for, you know, as your, as time went on, like, you know, he kind of got up his own ass <laughs> about, we're about... going to see that in real time with these releases, but, but Metal Gear um, Solid one is definitely, um, like a really good balance of this man's always been really good at trying to show people stuff that they don't regularly see, regularly see and like peoples that you don't regularly see and, and you know, trying to go for something unique and, and Metal Gear Solid is just a great balance of, of all of that. Cause it is a lot of the kind of eighties sci sci-fi action tropes, but a lot of the technology, a lot of the like peoples, I mean, there's a lot of, of people of, there's multiple people of Asian descent in the cast, which shouldn't be too surprising because it's a Japanese game. But I think in the U S most people probably didn't realize that. I mean, Snake himself is like half Japanese, right? Half Japanese, and then you've got Johnny Sasaki and Mei Ling, um, 
and uh, uh, Johnny Sasaki is another character. Like, what actually ended up being one of the more endearing Why would characters. Why even of- bring up the uh, endearing? This is a man who shows up every game to shit himself. <laughs> amazing. And it's amazing Look, every time. It's, it's incredible every single time. And, dude, like, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but he ends up marrying Meryl. Like, I mean, I mean, that is Meryl's that is Meryl's future husband. Right you know there. what? I was going to I was going to keep um, mm, no pun intended shitting on him. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking about it and I actually know several people for whom their their constant like bowels are attempting to kill them is just like a part of my relationship with them. So maybe maybe that is be, realistic. You couldn't, be, you, you couldn't be talking about me, could you? I, I could be talking about so many people. Everyone, I'm the only person whose butt works in my entire friend circles. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'd also mentioned, uh, and, and we will, you know, uh, you know, fucking spoiler warning for, a, what, a 20-something-year-old game. Um, we talked about Donald Anderson, but is that really Donald Anderson that we met in that jail cell? Oh, that's right. It is Decoy Octopus. At what point does the Um, game open up and you get to choose between fighting like Flame Mammoth, Boomer Kuwanger? Uh, that's after you, that's, that's after you kill, uh, uh, Mega Man X sounding ass (laughs) boss names. They, they really are. They really are. And and uh, and then of course we have uh, Psychomantis, who honestly is responsible for one of the coolest moments uh, could, I have experienced in games. We could probably like, spend this entire episode, the rest of this like episode, just talking about the Psychomantis fight because that, I mean, still to this day, is one of the most one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a video game. Who here had Symphony of the Night save data on their memory card? Oh, I mean, me, yeah. Like, And, and having yeah. him read the memory card and, and like tell me some of the games I'd been playing was like, oh, no, I don't like this. That happened yeah, at that... like one in the morning for me as a youngin, and I was like, mmm, this is how yeah, it goes. Yeah, that was a little... That was well, and not just that. You have to but... move... You have to change the controller port to be able to actually fight You have to change the controller it. port... And then you, ha- and then he demonstrate his he demonstrates his psychic abilities by having you put the controller on the floor, and then he moves it via the rumble, which just you know, like like I knew what was happening, but it was it was to this day, it's the coolest, most innovative use of of uh you know rumble you know of a rumble pack and a controller that that I have come across, and that and breaking that the, the way it broke day. the fourth wall was wild too, yeah, because like like all of a sudden. Like, this guy's talking directly to you, the player, and, like, pulling out information about other games you've played and stuff. And it was just, like, I was 10 years old when I played this game. Like, I, my mind broke. <laughs> like, I, I was, yeah. I, like, I mean, even though, like, even if something was like this, you know, happened today when we all would know how it would work, like... You know, it would still be effective, but back then, like as a kid, not understanding how they could have gotten this all working and stuff. Oh yeah, just, no, dude, it literally like, broke my mind. Like that moment, just absolutely one of the coolest moments just ever in a video game. If only we could know that in twenty years, Google would have our blood type information. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Metal Gear predicting the future again. Well, and, and like we also have to talk about. Honestly, in my opinion, one of like the most uninteresting villain of the bunch, which is Liquid Snake. Um, yeah, ooh, you know, evil clone with a mullet, voiced by yeah, Cam Clark. Like, like, okay, but to be you fair, know, like, like, if I see someone with a mullet, I usually assume they're a villain. Yeah, well, true. It's that'll serve you well. And also, not only did he ha- no, but here's the thing: not only did he have a mullet, he had that evil British accent as well. Exactly. Don't forget the accent. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. We don't know why he had a British accent, uh, but but he had one. It's because Goldeneye um, came out four years earlier, and uh, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, I mean, that's probably not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> to rip an explanation from the newsroom, they as soon as he was born, they immediately locked him in a room and gave him a TV with only uh, BBC on it, with only Benny Hill shows, with only only Benny Hill reruns on it. Um, I mean, you know, Liquid Snake. You know, I mean, we'll 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 meet him again uh, a, f- a few games down the line. But 
Kinda. You know, and that what went sort of when, you know, when again, as I mentioned, Kojima at this point is firmly up his own ass about these about these games. Um, but so so there we have our uh, our villain lineup. I don't think I don't think I missed anybody. Um, well, we haven't talked about Gray Fox. Oh, Gray Fox. That's right. Shit. Yeah. That, yes. This was another Great, yes. this was another moment that I'll, like has always stuck in my mind because. Up until the point this character is introduced, like, you know, there's some, like, cheesy stuff in it, but mostly it's been, like, kind of a, a straight-ahead political thriller up until this point. And then you come into this hall, you come into this hallway, and there's all these guards that, like, just ripped apart. And then there's an invisible cyborg ninja that shows yeah. up. Um, now his his fights are pretty straightforward. His fights are pretty um, sh- straightforward, but like I mean, he was like the first thing that like really over the top like thing introduced in the in the series. Like invisible cyborg ninja was not something. Yeah, because currently we've got Russian cowboy who likes shooting revolvers. We have a uh, guy who pretends to be another guy and dies. Uh, well, there's also Psycho Mantis who is a psychic, but. Um, well, I think Gray Fox is introduced before Psycho Mantis. That's true. Right? That's true. I, he yeah, because he cuts because Gray Fox is the yeah. one who cuts like, off. Like Gray uh, Fox is yeah. like the turning point for oh, this series is going to get wild. Yeah, cuz even even like Vulcan Raven and and Sniper Wolf who who come uh later if I remember correctly are just like people with exaggeratedly large weapon. Yeah. And then we um we also have uh you know we, we have other characters as well who are allies of Solid Snake and and we need to give them some time as well and I think the first like obviously I think the first one that bears mentioning is Otacon. Uh, also, who, uh, he's also introduced alongside Gray Fox and pisses himself Gray Fox. immediately. He pees himself. He's a massive fan of, of just like anime. my Japanese anime. <laughs> <laughs> I love Otacon. I love Otacon. <laughs> John, the term is otaku. I, otaku. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. I my my apologies. Um, no, that no. <laughs> just like my Japanese anime. Um, no, Otakon, of course, becomes an enduring character uh, throughout the franchise. Um, kind of snakes. The uh, <laughs> I would uh, you know the microchip to his Punisher. I guess um, you would call uh, you would call Otakon. Um, it, it, I love the fact that later in the series we found out his dad is just, just a complete piece of shit. Oh, um, we'll talk it, plenty mm-hmm. about Huey in the MGS5 yeah, episode. Huey, Huey Emmerich is, uh, <laughs> is uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, let's just say that uh, Otacon, or Hal, Otacon, whatever you want to call him, is very lucky he turned out the way he did. Uh, because Huey's a, Huey's a whole other story. And then we have Meryl Silverberg, who is the colonel's, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah like getting into getting into what the actual like relationships let's and, say like, what, what does metal gear solid is. say she is yeah so metal gear solid says she's his niece then she's um, his then niece we find out and we can his... worry about the rest later <laughs> yeah okay yeah. so that's his if we stop every time niece. something happens to explain what a later metal gear solid says actually happened you will never make it through this retrospective <laughs> deal with the retcons and the insanity as it comes so we get uh, so we're we're unfortunately first introduced to Meryl by uh, showcasing her ass. Oh um, God! Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You yeah, I, I just re- I just remember Snake being like, "You've got a great butt." Like, c- yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it was okay. stupid. <laughs> you know, well, what it was was she was like in disguise as a guard. It- yeah, like, and then yeah. and then it's sh- it like literally she it shows her running in slow motion and zooms in on her ass and Snake is just like no man has an ass that's subtle. which he's wrong and, and, but continue. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I mean clearly you guys have not seen my ass um but the th- you know, I I was like you know honestly I think the game does a really good job of overall not objectifying her the way it could have especially you know like you know considering the you know that that period of time in the industry it's not where we want um, it now but it's a whole lot better than it could have been given the time um, well it's it's sniper wolf too like yeah. her design is not exactly little did what we know somebody that in the arctic would be wearing little yeah. did we know that quiet yeah. was waiting for us right i know that's <laughs> that's the thing is is kojima like consistently is is not great with female character designs 
Um, even if he tends to write, tends to write pretty good female characters, like well, they're it, it, it's look that's a flip yeah. of the fucking coin, isn't it? But, yeah, uh, um, yeah, no, like it, it's it's one of those things that's rough because, like, in general, like I'm I'm a huge Kojima fan, but like I will not defend how he handles yeah. women most of the time. But there's a couple really good char- characters, and like there's a couple characters that are good, but also objectify. Like it's it's not as clear cut as sometimes because it but yeah like it's not as egregious as an mgs1 as it is in like mgs4 yeah um, like because in, in mgs1 oh, yeah. like okay yeah like sniper wolf has some cleavage and and they they remark on meryl's butt but otherwise both are pretty like they're they're pretty solid characters whose characterization does not also revolve like, around any of that and they're also like respected as soldiers by like yeah. the other people that they're with too. Like it's not, it's not like like unless I'm forgetting something, I don't remember anything about like either of them being talked down to like for their ability. No, I don't think so. Sniper Wolf is, I think, like, like the most sympathetic of the villains. Yeah. In a lot oh, of absolutely. Ways. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I I would honestly, I would I would hesitate to call her a villain. Uh, in the in the traditional sense, she's more of an antagonist, a, a sympathetic antagonist, I think, uh, than an actual villain who's motivated by by you know just a, a base sense of evil. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, you could say that about. Uh, I think you could probably say that about characters like Vulcan Raven as well. Um, you know, but but what the other thing I wanted to do was kind of talk about, uh, you know. That was a period in gaming where, like, you know, in the era before Bioshock, before, you know, like, you know, when, when we didn't get huge twists uh, in, in gaming. And this game had a few. This game th- uh, threw you a few curveballs that, at the time, legitimately shocked me. Um, and the one that stands out in my mind the most is when you find out that Master Miller, uh, your mentor, who has been kind of guiding you through the whole game and acting as a tutorial, essentially, uh, is dead. And you've been dealing with Liquid Snake the entire time. That like like as much as I kind of, as, as much as I kind of think Liquid Snake is a is a, you know a, a lower tier character like that moment legitimately shocked me. Yeah oh. no there's there's so much like there's so much cool stuff like, and also Liquid just never dying. <laughs> yeah. and like before you know yeah. what to deal with that is like a high um, D, a, a high D like <laughs> this is Raven's territory. <laughs> Um, that was when he was in the tank. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I'm just trying to figure out like wh- wh- where to go next because there's so much cool stuff like especially at the end like the big fight with 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 the Metal Gear itself with Metal Gear Rex. Yeah. It's Metal Gear Metal Rex, Gear. right? It, 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 yeah, it's Rex, which is still my favorite Metal Gear design. Uh, like it's just such such a memorable memorable design, and we get some fan service with it later on in the series, uh, but. Man, like I love, I love the design of that. Um, well, and that thing, you know. Now that we, so we, we've parsed out some of the character, some of the, some of the main characters in the game, um, at least as, 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 you know, I think as thoroughly as they need to be. Um, we, had, we had briefly talked about uh, gameplay before, but I wanted to, I wanted to circle back and kind of put the focus on that real quick because, you know. This game really was responsible for just some huge leaps forward in terms of, of gameplay. Like this is really, you know, you know, the tagline for the game was tactical espionage action, um, and this game, I think more than anything else, really gave birth to the stealth genre. Um, I had never played it, a stealth game before this. Uh, so what I'm wondering, so I can't remember a a meaningful stealth experience before. Metal Gear Solid. I, I, am I missing something? Am I like I, Siphon Filter? Is is it is a different type of of stealth game? Um, I, I, I don't played re- Siphon Filter. So it's I, also Siphon more of Filter a shooter. Like it is. Yeah, and 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 I, I give you know, I, Jeff. Can you think of anything as stealth focused as Metal Gear Solid before it released? I mean, um, there was Thief, Clock yeah. Tower. Yeah, but I that, mean there was yeah, some, but nothing. There was some stuff. But a lot of it was on PC. Like, not a lot of it was on consoles. Yeah, well, I, like, the only well, thing on consoles I can think of is, like, Clock Tower, kind of, you know? And, and again, that's, like, 
but like not, not really, exactly like, the same. Yeah, well, I'm thinking more like you know, like because in Clock Tower, you know, the the whole point is to hide from Scissor Clock Man. Tower is hide and seek. Like it's not yeah, quite the same the, as being like a stealthy predator who is like yeah. Exactly. Like in Metal Gear, in Metal Gear uh, Solid, you are a stealth operative, and it, it's your job. Like, like you could go through the game and and I believe not kill a single, not kill a single enemy. Um, you can just you can stealth through it. Now, obviously, you've got to kill bosses and such, but but I mean, you don't necessarily need to take out every enemy. I did because it was satisfying. Um, but uh, refresh my memory. I know that you couldn't drag bodies away in this one. That's something they added in, in Metal Gear Solid 2, I believe. But if they if the guards came across a dead body, like like did the bodies dis- just disappear or would they would they see a body and go on alert? I can't remember. I think they just disappeared. Did they just disappear? Well, like speaking of the yeah, whole Yeah, they, they just disappeared, but in this one it was before they introduced like the tranquilizing mechanics right, and okay. like a lot of su- like the only weapon that you could get suppressed was like the one pistol, which wasn't very effective. Right. Right. So, like, if you were if you were actually taking out enemies, you would ca- probably cause an alert just just from the noise. Yeah, it was like you were either full stealth or full on like just take them out. There wasn't really that in between at the later. That's actually you, you know that's something else that this game did and that just really immersed me into the moment were the alert sequences when when the guards were on alert and you know there were there was you know a, there was caution there was alert and you know they would actively be hunting for you and you could hear them talking to each other on their on their comms uh, and you'd have to sit there you'd have to you'd have to you know basically evade search uh, evade their search um, with an increased presence until the alert went down and then you had to use caution uh, for 99 seconds, and then they would go back to a, a green status. Um, and of course, yeah, like, you know, as, as video gamey as it was at the time, you know, like, you know, all right, the state of alert has been lifted, you know, and they were like, all right, well, fuck, I forgot. I, I but actually, forgot, breaking I, yeah. it into phases was definitely more like <laughs> it, it, it felt like much deeper than the standard, like, enemies see me, enemies no longer see me. And like, also, just how it worked with the, the radar, because. In, in oh MGS yeah, the solitar. Yeah, or the, there, or the solitar. You had, yeah. you had the radar where you could see an enemy and like you could see their cone of vision. Um, and when you get spotted, and the alert comes up, you no longer have that, which really kind of made those sequences more tense because now not only were they looking for you and coming for you, you no longer have the <laughs> that resource of seeing their cone of vision, seeing where they are. Um, so it, it made those sequences really, really tense and it made it so much more of a relief if you got away for long enough and then it came back because then you can be like, okay, now I have all the information I need to sneak back up, up again, which is cool. You know, and and I am really glad, I'm really glad that the stealth sequences were as cool and immersive as they were, because I got to tell you, um, shooting in that game sucked ass. It sucked ass (laughs) back then. It sucks worse ass now. That is one. I don't part think of the shooting game. in Metal Gear Solid ever became good I, until like five, mm-hmm. and and and, in, and even I, then, I'd say four, but still like, but, but like even then, it still it wasn't like the pinnacle of the genre or anything. Like like it was very clear, it was very clear that Kojima wanted you to stealth. He did not want you to engage mm-hmm. in gunfights in in Metal Gear Solid. Um, and I actually went back and I replayed it last year, and I was like. I was like, I, w- I actually thought to myself, I wonder how the shooting, uh, I wonder how the shooting mechanics will will hold up. And boy, oh boy, was I in for a <laughs> was I for a massive, massive disappointment. I was like, maybe ma- maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was. And no, it's worse than I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also translates. So, um, w- one of the really, you know, w- one of the, you know. My my main way for and I think most people's main way of dispatching enemies was, you know, snapping their necks, like, you know, mm-hmm. getting behind them, you know, grabbing them. And then you you smash the square button and they're like, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, 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 and then you hear the you hear the, the little neck crack. Um, but who here constantly, constantly would just punch them instead? Yeah. Me. Just, that oh, was how I, that was how I rolled. <laughs> God, it was. I was like, fuck, I just want to. And, and that and like, you know, and there are things that this game genuinely did not do great and one of them for me were the actual takedown mechanics uh when you're stu- when you're when you're sneaking around because even though 
uh, Snake's, uh, even though Snake wasn't dummy thick and his, the clap of his ass cheeks was not alerting the guards, my going behind them and just punching them in the back of the head absolutely alerted them. <laughs> and it, <laughs> I it, mean, that's realistic. But I tend to get alerted f- when somebody punches me in the back of the head. It, it made me feel more like a dude who's starting a bar fight than a stealthy operative. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, motherfucker. You, you know, like I, I was it was so and to this day, I'm still not any good at it. Like I'm I'm all I get all nervous when I'm playing the game because I'm like, oh, shit, am I going to punch him or am I going to fucking grab him? Because uh, if memory serves me correctly, they actually mapped everything to that one attack button. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good choice. Not a good choice. And I think that was changed in later games. That's so, big, yeah, this uh, is what... big Final Fantasy 15 jump and interact. It device. really is. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I love that game. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this game, like, especially with like the way shooting mechanics and like the inventory and stuff were all handled. Like it was definitely experimenting and trying to figure out some stuff and not all of it was successful. It was very forgivable at the time since no one else had really, um, <laughs> attempted to do some of this stuff before and have this many like systems and different types of gadgets and weapons and stuff. Uh, thankfully that did improve as the series went on um, quite a bit, but yeah, like the, it was, it was, it's very clunky to try to play these days. The other thing I, I love s- about the game uh, is the length. Like it gives, it's the same reason I love the early resident evil games. It's such a tight, well-paced, like, five to seven hours and it just like i don't there's no like filler or anything like that like everything in the game is just awesome uh well there is that annoying point where you have to like run like you have key cards that you have to like heat up and cool down okay all right maybe not every (laughs) so so that 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 is a a textbook filler part like for, for those of you that don't know like there's one point in the game where you have to um, you have like multiple key cards. Well, you, it's one key card, but it's different depending on its temperature. And you have to use it three times. You have to use it at like room temperature, when it's cold, and when it's hot. And so you have to run to like a foundry area and then like outside and then like get back to where you need to use it within a certain amount of time before it like heats up or cools down. It is a great example of Kojima sometimes really likes to make you do things or put things in that you would never have thought of and and that you've never seen before and may never see again. Uh, Sometimes regardless of whether or not it's a good idea, uh, (laughs) like because this was like unnecessary i would say so i think it's i think it's like the absolute worst part of it. i think yeah. it's one of the worst things he's ever put in one of his games he has a pathological honestly. need to do this stuff and when it's at its best he's doing stuff like putting in footprints that enemies can can see and when it's at its worst it's here's a key card that heats up and cools down or you know, you have the ability to do pull-ups as Raiden and so, increase oh your God, ability yeah. to pull-ups that. Like, why? So, so, so there were actually, like, if we're talking about pacing, uh, you know, Jeff had mentioned pacing. Um, if, we're, if we're talking about things that were just complete roadblocks to me and, and remain so to this day every time I try to replay it, um, where I'm just like, oh, God, it's this part. It's One is having to guide the fucking uh, javelin missiles through the hallways. Yeah. Um, that, and, and, Surviving the fucking torture sequence that Revolver oh. Ocelot puts you through. That's right. Okay, yeah. So, oh, God. I can't believe we haven't talked about that yet. Um, Before the days of accessibility options. In- oh yeah, my God. oh, my Lord. Like that. Okay, so can I describe this sequence? Please, by all means. And its relevance because... So, there is a point where Snake gets captured and um, you have to... You can, you can just choose to give up um, being tortured, or you can play a minigame where you just you just mash. A horrid, horrid minigame that will... Yeah, like, you you have to mash so hard. I have to... never mashed a button since then. Like, I... Like, oh, dude. Like, I, thinking about it makes my hands hurt. Yeah, like, so you have to mash to, like, endure it, and then... How about can... one more? Can you take just one more? <laughs> and then if you were like, and like if you endure it, you um, it changes the ending that you get. You get a much better um, ending. Um, yeah. So like to get the good ending, you have to 
have to get through it and it's it's awful it's so awful it it um it Derek and Jeff what are your thoughts on the torture mini game i consider it to be probably the the worst mini game i have ever experienced it's like, up like, there it's, to me with the original mario party winding up the uh the the toy flying Mario doll. Oh lord! That that, that uh, ripped in a hole through the center of your hand. Yeah, and um, the fucking that, trial of strength in Star Fox Adventures. Which okay, is, I'm I'm so glad somebody else remembered yes, that Star Fox yes. Adventures if, one. If, you know what? Event it was impossible until I looked up. And somebody was like, just get a fucking spoon. And I was like, yeah, that's not yeah. going to work. And it works. Get a spoon and rub it back, yeah. and, back and forth and across I'm, the A you know button. What? I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Kojima like secretly put like backwards and upside down on page eight of the manual that was like, you know, hey, when being tortured, try using a spoon because fucking why not? Um, that's okay. the intended way to play the game. That's another thing we didn't mention. Like, so in order to call Meryl... Uh, oh, you need like, the code on the codec code on the box, and I got yeah. a, a a used copy of the game, so it didn't have the original case, so I couldn't do it, and I I, oh, I stopped no. playing the game forever until a f- I was I was able to talk to a friend about it, and they were like, "Oh, hang on, I yeah, let me write down what it is on the thing." So like yeah. eat so, shit, Kojima. <laughs> for those that haven't played the game, this is a, this is one of my favorite things that he's he. He's done. Obviously, it doesn't work. Me and you have different opinions of favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so it's like, it's not, it's one of those things that I think is objectively not a good idea, but I love it. Um, So when you first meet Meryl, she's just like, like, so you have the codec, which you use to call everybody, and everybody's numbers are just like pre programmed in, except for Meryl. Meryl's like, oh yeah, just, just, just call me on the code on the back of the box. And so what you're supposed to do as, the player is take the case that the game comes in and look at the back and it has a screenshot of snake talking with Meryl and it has the Kodak code now on it. Granted these days you can just Google that shit, but, yeah. but back then that wasn't <laughs> back really then a you thing couldn't. you could do. Uh, and, and, and like, I thought I had to examine the cardboard box in game <laughs> and stuff at, at first. Like it took me so long to figure out what that even meant. Um, Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. That, that that's another had, good one. I had totally, totally forgotten about that. I, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Um, bringing up the torture sequence actually like has me sweating in my in my computer chair right now. Like I'm literally stressed out thinking about it. That's that's how rough that fucking shit. J- Jeff, did, did, were you ever? I've I've honestly only done it once, just to get the good ending, and then I was like, "Fuck it, I'm never doing that again." As far as I'm concerned, Snake is canon, not able to handle that shit, because <laughs> I just can't do it again. Yeah, I don't I don't remember having a huge problem with it, but um, Jeff is a pro gamer. I, I had a pretty good button technique, probably from probably also from Mario Party. Well, that that sequence is actually why Jeff has some problems with his hands now. Yes. Is because is because of that sequence. True, yeah. Um, forever, forever. <laughs> it just it just damaged you forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that so so I guess I guess here's where we, you know, here's kind of where we where we kind of take this whole thing. Like everything leads up to this. Like looking at you can talk about the twist. Yeah, go ahead, Derek. Please. Yeah, I, I didn't know where you were going, but I was like, no, 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 we go, can't no. end this before we talk about the twist. No, yeah, please, no, go ahead. Because what, by this point, what, two or three separate people have died of heart attacks, like, right yes. in front of you? Yeah. Um, and there's there's a, a, a pretty offhand uh, mention in the beginning of the game about getting, like, vaccines, or, or I don't even remember what the shot was supposed to be. Like, didn't they say it was just, like, a, a normal set of, like, vaccines? Or, or did they say they were giving so, them nanomachines? What, it was, like, nanomachines or something, I believe. Yeah, I don't remember what it was exactly. I don't remember if but the nanomachines explanation as, came up till later. Whatever it was, they played off as, like, okay, part of the, the standard, like, medical stuff. You're doing, we're going to do this, 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 this. Well, it turns out the shot that they gave you is for a virus that is designed to kill all of the members of Foxhound that you come into contact with. What's it called, Derek? Um, What's it called? Fox die. <laughs> um, and it will, and it will eventually kill you, if I remember correctly. It was, it'll eventually kill Solid Snake, um, but and thus an entire generation of anti-vaxxers was born. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, in retrospect, not a, not my favorite thing. Um, 
But man, I hadn't even thought about it like that until just damn now. Damn it, Jeff. Like, mm, yeah, me neither. Not until this very moment. I can't believe Shit. you've done this. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's not great. But but yeah. So so the idea was they were sending you in, and they were they were hoping that Snake would actually finish the mission. But you know, off chance, it really doesn't matter because he's got this virus that's going to kill all of them anyway, just from him coming into contact with them. Um, and that and then uh, your your master Miller, who you've been speaking to on the phone the entire time, uh, is actually liquid the entire time, which I'm like, how do you not notice that they're not the same person? If you've known, like, if if some British guy told me he was John on the phone, I wouldn't believe him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would recognize that it was somebody doing somebody a bad calls John so, somebody calls Derek. Somebody calls Derek, and it's my phone number. And he picks up, and it's like, "Hi, buddy, how you doing today?" And Derek's like, "I have questions, several." Well, I'm sorry. Is, is that your British guy voice? What? Look, I'm not fucking British, okay? Hi, you buddy. Hi, buddy. <laughs> Sounds more like a more like a more like a really bad Australian accent than anything. But yeah. But but yeah, so I mean, there's there's a couple of good little plot twists in there, but but and of course the fact that Liquid Snake is your clone, which is like what, and it never ends up being super important necessarily. Um, but like also, you go ahead. doesn't it turn? I can't remember if this is introduced in MGS one or not, but like all of the guards are also clones of you. They, something like something like that. Like yeah, it, they don't talk about that in Metal Gear Solid one though. For sure. Okay. So, I, I, I could I could I couldn't remember. I think if that that's was a four thing. That's the kind of okay. dumb shit that sounds like a Metal Gear Solid four thing. But but I, I could have sworn it was before. Maybe it was two. But but Metal um, Gear Solid does this great job of being, despite like like it's got these twists and it's got these weird characters, but it's ultimately just like a weird sci-fi like spy thriller that's very straightforward in in all of the ways that matter in terms of its plot and structure. Um you know, I I quite enjoyed it. So, and I, I guess so. This leads to me me to my final question. Like, if we're considering, if we're considering, you know, like the five main entries of the franchise, um, and I, you know what, you can throw in also a uh, Peace Walker because that game fucking rules. Um, also, five makes it pretty clear that Peace Walker was absolutely a mainline entry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Um, so. Where are we at with Metal Gear Solid and its place Second in the franchise? I would I would say so. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. Right behind Metal Gear Solid Three, um, that that's where I'm at. Like like despite its despite the fact that you know parts of the game were not parts of the game were not executed well back then, and they've aged let's say less than gracefully. Um, the atmosphere of Shadow Mo- of Shadow Moses is so cool and immersive that. I, it's one of those games that I've replayed multiple times, and I'll continue to replay it, as opposed to Metal Gear Solid 2, which I don't ever want to touch again. Um, and, you know, Metal Gear Solid just, y- you know, I, you know... It just, you Metal know, Gear I, Solid 1 is so good that almost every other Metal Gear game needs to copy it as much as it, it can. It does, yeah. You know? well, like, I mean, like dude, dude, look at 4. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um... Oh, we'll t- we'll talk yeah, about that, that when we was, get to it. But but yeah, no, I would I would put it squarely behind Metal Gear Solid Three. Um, uh, Jeff, Jeff, where are you at on that? Mm, I, I mean, it's it's definitely up there. I I'm not as high on on three as you. I think I'd put it. It's hard. Like I love all the games. It's definitely at least the second or third best. Uh, I think Metal Gear Solid Two is still uh, my favorite game in the, oh, in interesting. the series. But, um, but yeah, one, it's like, I love Peace Walker too. I love, oh man, I don't know. It's, it's up there. Like it's, it's a good ass. It's got all the best elements of this series, I think. Um, and even though like the gameplay mechanics obviously evolved over time, just because the technology got better and they, they learned, um, I think it, yeah, it's, it's just the most consistent. Whereas like some of the later entries have lots of really good stuff, but they also have like some bigger whiffs and uh, aside from the stuff we talked about like the torture sequence and, oh and things Lord. I, just, I don't think this game has a lot of that most of what's in there is is very good like it's- yeah I, I think i agree with jeff i'm i'm really bad when it comes to ranking things in general um especially because like metal gear solid like it, it's the, the series has gone so many different directions even though like kind of the 
core line has been similar that like i like different games for a lot of different reasons which makes them hard for me to kind of put up against each other but i think yeah i think i agree that mgs1 is the most consistent i Um, i I would agree with that i i I definitely think it i mean this co i think this probably goes without saying but i would definitely say that it is the best it is the most well-paced of the franchise um considering that you know it's a as jeff said a real tight five seven hour experience and then you've got cutscenes in metal gear solid 4 that are almost as long as the entirety of metal gear solid but but uh but yeah no i i i agree i i think uh it's just a time like it's like it's timeless i think is the best way to describe this game it's just it's a timeless game that has influenced uh not just the rest of the franchise but i mean the entire let's face it the entire stealth genre as a whole um just i mean even just not even just that but i mean like the whole like attempts to make like Hollywood style moments in gameplay and like direct, well directed cutscenes. Yeah, I mean, we have Kojima to thank voice for acting that. and stuff. You know, like almost all of that can be traced back to Metal Gear Solid One. Like, if you listen to like game directors that are talking about making these sorts of things, like they almost always name drop Kojima and Metal Gear Solid. Like, this is one of the most influential games in the industry. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I think that's the, that's the perfect way to sum it all up. Uh, Jeff and uh, Derek, did you guys have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up here? Game. Good. It is a game. Good. game. It is a good game. Game. Good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So in conclusion to this hour game, of discussion, game, good game, game, good. good. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that'll do it for our, our, our retrospective of metal gear solid. Um, of course, next we will tackle metal gear solid Two, sons of Liberty, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, I want to thank my lovely panel of podcasters for joining me today. Um, I, I had a great time talking about this. Um, and plus, I just love hanging out with you all. So it's it's yeah. it's, it's a it's a good time all around. Um, don't forget, SDGC oh. is. Oh no, no, please, please. Oh no, I was just gonna say I love how I'm supposed to be retired from SDGC for and, now, and I'm and still yet here you are up for a pre-recorded. Here you are, and as as much as you're like. I might show up for Metal Gear Solid too. Like, let's face it, there's a ninety percent. Every time chance. I think that I'm out, you fuckers pull me back. <laughs> we in. pull you right back in. We pull you right back in. Um, and so, um, uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we will meet next Sunday to record Metal Gear Solid Two: Sons of Liberty. Um, Derek might be there. I assume that he's going to be there because it's Derek. Uh, and don't forget. Uh, we go live every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, please give us a, a a follow or a sub on twitch.tv slash official SDGC. And remember, kindness costs nothing. <laughs>